Good morning, everyone, and thank you for the worship team. Really appreciate it, Ryan. It's always amazing to just follow in God's presence with you guys. And today, I'm going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. But before I do that, I just want to read it. And it is something that everyone has heard. And Jesus says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen 65 words 65 words that come in the middle of the sermon on the mount and it is words that every christian ever has heard most christians have prayed this prayer but when you take these words on your lips, you are standing on sacred ground. They are the words straight from Jesus. And this is a temple prayer. Jesus is teaching his disciples a prayer that they would say in the temple. And for Christians, hearing temple prayers is so second nature because Jewish prayer and Christian prayers are the same. The first thing Christian prayers do is glorify the name of God. And that's exactly what Jewish prayers would do. You would first glorify the name of God. And the, that first line affirms, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But we have this idea that sometimes heaven is far away and that we have to shoot our prayers far enough in order to get it to heaven so that God can hear our prayers. And if we pray hard enough, and if we pray fervently enough, then God will hear our prayers. But that is not how it works. In the temple, that is where heaven and earth met. After the Garden of Eden, people couldn't just walk in a garden with God. And we have the amazing people early in the story meeting God and talking to him. But for normal people, they didn't have that experience. And then Moses comes and he takes the people out of Egypt and God says, I want to have communion with my people. These are my people and I will be with them. And they will know that I have a I have a house. They'll know my physical address. It'll be the temple in the middle of their camp. And eventually, they establish the capital and they build the temple. And again, that becomes God's residence. And in the Holy of Holies is where heaven and earth meet. And once a year, a priest could go into that Holy of Holies and if he 
purified himself enough, he was worthy to stand in the presence of God for a little bit. So God has always desired this presence with us, to have communion with us, but we are not clean enough to stand in that presence of God. So God has to put restrictions on it. And he desires this communion with us. So in order to enter this temple, you have to be purified. And that is exactly what Jesus did. So he teaches them this temple prayer. But they don't realize yet that this is the prayer that they are going to carry on after Jesus is gone because Jesus dies and Jesus purifies us. We stand in front of God without blemish because of what Jesus has done. We are standing in God's presence filled with his glory because of what he has already done. Not because of how good or how nice I am. I can only stand in God's presence because of Jesus. And then going back to this prayer, we say, Our Father in heaven. And we know that when we are praying this prayer, we are stand, standing in God's holy place. We are standing where angels fear to tread. And we can come with supplication to God and say, hallowed be your name. Now, this prayer is divided up into six petitions. And the first three are all related to God. The first one is his name. The second one is reign. The third one is will. And those three glorify God. When I say, God, hallowed be your name, God isn't glorified because I praise his name. Christian de Prayer is just a man. Me glorifying God does not make him more glorified. He is worthy of all praise, all worship, all of the greatest things we can bring. He is already worthy of it. And the only thing that happens when we pray that is that we acknowledge that Jesus is already worthy of that. And we only come in line with the amazing things that God has already done. We acknowledge him as God, as Savior, when we say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Our we responsible for bringing God's kingdom? Yes. Wherever we show people love, wherever we show people God's grace, we are showing them God's kingdom already. So what does God's kingdom look like? God's kingdom looks like people loving each other. God's kingdom looks like a place where people are come together and just care for one another. So we pray your kingdom come, but we also hear the uh, call it puts on us. 
that we have to respond to that. We can't just say, your kingdom come and do nothing about it. That is not acceptable anymore. We hear, your kingdom come, and then we ask, ask ourselves, God, how can we show people more of you? Your will be done? We already know what his will is. His will is for us to love one another and to glorify his name in everything that we do. If you're not loving people and you're not glorifying his name, you are not in line with his will. And it's so easy to be in line with that part of his will. God calls us to love our people. And one of my favorite texts is in 1 John 4, when God says, when, uh, when uh, he talks about when you love one another, you are showing each other love because God is love. And that is what it's all about. Now, Jesus invites us to prayer. He teaches his disciples to pray. He obviously wants us to spend this time in communion with him in prayer. Does that mean we copy this prayer? Or is it a guideline? I think if you do not know what to pray, this is an amazing prayer to start at. If you, the words fail you, if you are struggling, and this happens to every single person at some point or another, at some point, words do not seem like enough. And if you come to God and pray this prayer, he will see your heart. And that's what it's about. It's about showing your heart to God. And I think it is a great place to go when you don't know what to say. But for the most part, I think it is a great example and a good guide to follow in your personal prayer. To do that first. To first glorify his name. To first magnify him for who he is. And just realize who God is. And then pivot into the second part. And the second part is three petitions. And it is our need, our forgiveness, and temptations. And I could talk about this prayer for weeks. But I want to get to this idea that this prayer invokes. And it is a call to action. This prayer is not a prayer about passivity and just sitting and waiting this prayer is a call to action for every Christian. I love this uh, part. Give us this day our daily bread. That is such a deep desire of any person who has ever struggled. We all know that feeling of, I don't have enough. Sometimes we really do not have enough. And I love it when God supplies supernaturally. I love it when things happen that are beyond human comprehension and we can, cannot explain it in any human sense. But most of the miracles that I know about are when God uses people. My wife and I were uh, newlyweds and we were struggling 
financially. And one morning, Genre and I were lying in bed looking at each other, and we had no food left in the house. And we lay there looking at each other, and we had two tins of spam left in the cupboard. My wife doesn't eat spam. And I asked her, so what are we eating today? <laughs> and we were both at wit's end. We didn't, it was so far beyond our control that we could only laugh about it. That morning, there was a tin on our front yard, on the lawn. And South Africa can be a bit sketchy sometimes. And we're looking at this and we are suspicious, to say the least, about this can lying on the front lawn. And I send my dog out first to go investigate it, and it's fine. I pick it up, and there's money in it and a letter that says, here, God told us you might need this. And we went out and we bought groceries that, with that. And it was a miracle. And it is a miracle. And I would fight anyone who tries to tell me that wasn't supernatural. Because no one knew about our plight at that moment except God. And Megan talked about it last week. He is our father. And he knows our, our needs even before we ask him. Sometimes we're the ones that are supposed to be that for someone else. And that takes listening to God. That takes time to just see if you can find where God needs you to be and what God needs you to do. Often we pray like the disciples prayed in Acts 12, where they pray that Peter will be released from prison. And Peter comes and knocks on the door. And the slave girl says, Peter's at the door. And they're like, don't worry, it's just his angel. We'll keep on praying. And God has already granted that. God has already brought uh, answer to that prayer. And we keep on praying, but God has already shown us. Or we, we pray and we still worry. Because we do not trust. In Luke 12, it talks about, do not be anxious. God knows what you need. God loves you so much that he would do everything for you. He did everything for you. He sent his son to die on a cross because he didn't want you to be lost. This uh, part about the forgiveness was the interesting one for me as well. Uh, Matthew writes, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And Matthew was a tax collector. So Matthew is writing about this debt. Matthew, someone who would have made a lot of money from charging people exorbitant amounts, comes to realize that is not what it's about. And some Translations say, and forgive us our sins, as we have also forgiven those who sin against us. And I think that misses the point of this verse, of giving up that to God. And 
it can be so easy to vilify this text and because in our capitalist world, it is so great to think that no one should be forgiven debt and we should just make sure everyone pays back what they owe. And I get that. But Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The part about sin comes later. Verse 14 goes on. So this is 614. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, it is a call to action. There's this great saying in South Africa where if you if you're not willing to forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and hoping they die from it. Because that is what unforgiveness will do to you. Unforgiveness poisons your body, your soul, your mind. But first, Matthew writes about the debt. And he understood what giving up that debt means. And the forgiveness comes later, but that prayer is practical and the last uh, one is and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil some texts say deliver us from the evil one and God is not the one that leads us into temptation when you are tempted that is the evil one tempting you drawing you away from God because God is standing there and he is desperate for you to be in communion with him. He gave his son so that he could be with us. So that we could stand blameless in front of him. And then we turn around and we move away from him when we follow this evil one. So this prayer encapsulates, encapsulates all of Christian belief and how we are supposed to respond to God. There's uh, some texts, especially the King James Version, that adds, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. And it is an amazing part. And when I pray this prayer on my own, I always add that. But that wasn't Jesus' words. Those were words from early Christians responding to Jesus' words because it is so true. For his kingdom and the power, his is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forevermore. That's again just affirming God's greatness, his glory. So this prayer calls us into his holiness. This prayer brings us into the temple. And then it sends us out to go show his greatness to the world. This prayer isn't just a passive prayer. This prayer isn't just a prayer you, list, you speak or say when you don't know what to say. This is a prayer you say when you don't know what to do. Because this prayer will send you out. God's love is supposed to 
be shown in everything that I do. If I am not showing people love, I am not showing them God. God's grace and mercy and love and all the things that we believe, when we show people God's love, we're showing them God. And God loves you. And you have to go show other people how much God loves them as well. You can get your emblems for communion ready and I'll, uh, I'm just going to say a few words about that as well. Where Jesus gave up his life. Jesus laid down his life willingly because of this love. Because he knew he had to react to God's love in order for us to come into this holy presence of God, Jesus had to die. So today, when, I, when you take communion, I want you to recognize that you are standing on sacred ground. When you are, when you are doing communion in your house, I want you to remember that this is something that God has already done for you. Jesus purifies you. We are purified by Jesus' blood. I can stand in front of God, not because of anything that I've done, not because of anything that I will do, but because of what Jesus has already done. My sins are washed away. And that can feel like some empty words sometimes, but the, these are the words that we get from Jesus. We are washed clean. White as snow. No matter how I feel about it, Jesus tells me, it is done. You are forgiven. And if today is the first day you realize that, I pray with you that you find someone to talk to. It will be easy for you to contact anyone in church and make this realization that you have to respond to God. We can't be passive about our Christianity. Jesus has already done so much for us. And we respond to him. When we drink the grape juice, we remember the wine that Jesus passed around to his disciples saying, this is my blood and I give it to you and it will wash away your sins. This bread is his body and he laid down his life for us and by his stripes we are healed. Jesus, thank you that we can stand on this sacred ground. Thank you that we can come into your presence now without feeling guilty, 
without feeling ashamed. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for a community of believers that we can walk with and help us to serve you in everything that we do. In your beautiful name, amen. We're going to follow the worship team in one more song. Thank you.